Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf Hashavua as we study Masechus Yivamos Daf Kuvav. Thank you, Rabbi Israeli, for last week's excellent cheer. I'm very excited to be able to uh, complete the parak of Chalitza, and uh, Baruch Hashem, I was able to do almost every Daf and be back to a somewhat regular schedule. Today's cheer will probably be a little bit shorter, even though it's somewhat of a long Daf. But I really want to bring across three uh, fundamental ideas. And we'll talk in the daf and a little bit outside of the daf. You know, you get the general feeling, especially as uh, we learn the halachas, that we want a chalitza to take place when there's any question between the parties. One doesn't appear as a attractive, whether it's because of their age, whether it's because of their finances, whether it's for other reasons. We also see within the Gemara the challenges of just looking to marry someone, even a Yibam situation, just for finances, which is uh, looked at in a negative way by Chazal, that Chazal are very ready to find any way to make a Chalitza take place, if there's even a shadow of a doubt. Now this goes back to what we learned way earlier in the Masechta, of the view of Abishol, that uh, especially Bisman Hazer, we discourage Yibam from taking place. But this is even aside for it. So much so to the point where we see money that was promised in a number of the cases, and then we basically say that money is a bonus and doesn't really have to be given. What does have to take place at the minimum, once you get through all these halachas, is there does have to be an awareness that there is a chalitza taking place. You know, whether it's a latent awareness, uh, obvious awareness, but there has to be an awareness that takes place. Um, the other point I wanted to make, so that's just like a general view, and that really runs throughout the daf from the beginning until the end. Even so, to the point where we see on daf uh, kuf vav amid beis, the exact procedure for the chalitza makes it sound like everything is so simple, but we've seen in the middle how much could actually be excluded if it's not done in the proper way. Uh, it's interesting, just as an aside, that the last daf, daf kovav on beis, which means the last uh, amud actually, you would expect to be maybe the first amud. So it's almost operating, uh, maybe we want to really develop the Torah Shabbat Peh, before we just get down to spell what we call the black letter law. The second issue, and I think it's somewhat consistent with this, that we want people who should be together to stay together, people who should not be together not to stay together. So you know that in general, when it comes to the halachas of aguna, we're going to try to be as lenient as possible. It's a very big issue today. How lenient could we be? Uh, One person's leniency could end up being a big stringency, as far as mamzerus. So you want to make sure that it's done the proper way. But we come into a Gemara, which is um, the issue of consent. Vinasan biyada. That a get is not valid without the husband's consent, because the Torah says, Vinasan biyada. He has to place the bill of divorce into her hand. So he has to do so willingly. But what happens if you force the consent out of him? So let's talk about this in somewhat uh, detail. So the Rambam famously says that if you force him into it, and he says, Rotsani, then it's good. The get is a good get. 
And the way it's explained by the Rambam, it sounds somewhat mystical, is that a person inside wants to do the right thing. So the fact that he said he doesn't want to give the get, but then we coerce him into it, we're really getting him to express his Yetzir Tov as opposed to his Yetzir Hara. Sounds pretty radical, and there's a lot to uh, understand within the Rambam. Now, this presents <clears throat> a big challenge, Bisman Hazeh, because Bisman Hazeh, you need to also make sure that you're following the law. See, we have a general rule of Dina Mapusadina. The law of the land is the law. Now, it's true that does not apply in the realm of Isurim, which means, let's say, for example, the government would say you have to have uh, milk after meat for some reason. Let's assume it's not a, a proven health reason, which it wouldn't be. So then you don't listen, because Dina de Makusadina is not going to apply in the situation of Isurim. So really, over here, we're dealing with Isur. And therefore, Kofina Osinoso should work. But that is not accurate, because it's true as far as the get itself, right? The get is in the realm of Isser. But as far as one person, you know, beating up another person, which we know historically is some of the ways that we've gotten people to give Giddin, that is under the realm of civil law, of sometimes, unfortunately, even criminal law in the United States of America. So there are other incentives you create in order to get a person to give a get, you create communal incentives. Maybe you don't give a person a leah. Maybe you have a rally in front of the house. But to literally beat the guy up, I can't imagine um, an Eretz Yisrael that's allowed, and it's definitely not allowed over here. And we have to be very careful. You also have to keep in mind that in some of these situations, historically, where a person does the beating up, it's not only for, uh, or it's not altruistically that the person's doing it. He gets a certain cut. He gets paid by someone in order to do that. So this is just a very, I want to spend some time on this, not to take away la halacha, that we do kofinoso in a physical way, the way it's described here, and the way, at least implied here, and the way it's described specifically in the Rambam. The last thing that I want to touch on today which is a really interesting discussion in Rishonim, is as far as fees, fees for service. The Gemara brings up the situation where there was one who was uh, escaping from prison, you know, the great escape. We always get excited by escapes from prison. And it was a boat, some type of ferry, that was before him. Viomar lay, so the escapee says to the boat driver, to the captain, he says, told Dina of Ahavirani, take a diner and uh, get me across the river. At the end of the day, the halacha is that the ferryman only gets his uh, regular fee, whatever the regular fee was, not the diner, which is considered more. So this is an issue that comes up through the daf. What happens? Isn't this a mekachtos? Isn't this a mistake? It's done under false ways. This is what we went back to when we were discussing the hacha nami meshatani b'cha. When it came to the get, when it came, sorry, when it came to the chalitza, the person says, I was just joking. So is a sale a sale or not a sale? Is a, a hire for fee, do we mean it or do we not mean it? 
And this continues into a, a much bigger discussion in the Rishonim. So the first thing I want to point out, just as an aside, you know, when we're talking here about an escapee from prison, I assume we're not talking here about a criminal. We're talking about somebody who was put into prison, you know, under duress, didn't deserve to be there. I think that has something to do with it, although maybe that wouldn't necessarily affect the halacha. But you have to realize that many Gemaras will end up seeing such situations. But the assumption over here that the Gemara is making, both with the paying extra for the chalitza and paying extra for the escapee, is that the extra payment amount is being made under duress. And if it's being made under duress, even though the duress is not necessarily coming from the service provider, then that is not considered to be a valid sale. When I say valid sale, that's not considered to be part of, over here, it's not necessarily a sale, although you're selling the rights to a, a spot on the boat, but let's just call it a, a fee for service. Now, this is true in American law as well, right? You could have a contract that's done under duress, uh, unconscionable contract, etc. What's interesting here is that we don't just say it's valid or not valid, we say that what he should pay is the normal sum for the service that usually commands such a sum that he has to make good on his promise, but not to pay more for it. Now, there's a big discussion, and uh, you can look at Tosvos. This is discussed as well in Choshe uh, Mishpat, Reish Samach Dalad, Simon Reish Samach Dalad Sif, Zion, as well as the Shach Tezvav and the Taz in Yerdea discusses this in um, Shin Lamid Vav Gimel. How about a doctor? Like, is there a special fee for a doctor? Let's say a person is really desperate to get healed, and he says to a doctor, you know, I'm going to pay you a million dollars to take care of my ingrown toenail or, you know, come up with a more creative type of case or a more realistic case. So you end up having a machlokas uh, rishonim. Many of the rishonim, including the Rambam, say, listen, the doctor is not like a ferry driver. It's a specialty. And uh, he uses certain yudias uh, that he has from the medical world to heal a sick person. So whatever the patient agrees to, then that's what he has to pay. The uh, other Rishonim, you look in the Ritva, say no. What a doctor's job is to get the person back to being healthy. It's actually compared to Hashavas Aveda. And therefore, all you have to pay is what the basic cost that the doctor expends. Now, this would make a big difference between uh, whether a person wants to be a doctor or not, you know, besides just the beauty of being a doctor. So I wanted to just mention about all this. You know, it's funny because you have the differences sometimes in fees between Israel and in America. Maybe you want to compare it as well. But this whole discussion and really almost every piece of this ties in to something that we read in uh, Parshas Bahar. We're currently now between Bahar and Bechukosai. And uh, there were two times in Parshas Bahar where there was a prohibition of Onah. We know that there are three different types of onah in the Torah. There's onah saguf, can't uh, abuse a guy. 
It's interesting how that would tie into the kofin, into the forcing the person into giving the get. You have onas devarim. You can't be verbally abusive to someone, including and especially uh, family members and everything that includes. The Rabbam includes within onas devarim, not just uh, speaking disparagingly to someone in a subjective way, but even if you say to him, you know, you're a ger, you're a ger, you remind him, objectively he's true, but if it's going to put the person down, or the Rambam says a person's chas v'shalom suffered a loss, and you offer some theological, you know, uh, conclusion of why it happened, you act like a know-it-all, that also could be considered to be onas devarim, and then you have, which maybe is one of the most important things, I'm not excluding Onas Tvarim and Onas Guf, to learn is Onas Mama. And that's price gouging. I discussed on Shabbos why you'll see that discussion within the context of Shemitah. When people are very desperate, sometimes they're going to raise fees. And these are real questions in Halacha. You know, today we're dealing with, um, I think the last time I filled up gas was 460 or something. I don't I should have looked exactly what it was, 467. Now, is that price gouging? How much you allowed to charge? How much above the fair market value? And we generally today say, well, you charge whatever the market's going to demand based on supply and demand. But if you look into the halacha, the the demand is greater which means the demand on us is greater. And coming back to something I discussed before, you'd have to evaluate, is this dina machusa dina? You just act like the practice of the land. So if the land says you could charge even more than a sixth or whatever the rate of ono would be, you could do so. Or do you have to calibrate all your sales according to the way it's brought down in halacha chosheh mishpat? These are big discussions. Mazel tov on finishing this parish.